here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. All right, folks. Happy Labor Day to you. Happy, mm, I don't know if we're sticking to end of summer. I'm still hoping to squeeze a few more weeks out of it, but happy to be joined stateside by my good friend and podcast co-host, Sean Zock. Welcome to the Drop Zone, and Sean, thanks for being here. What's going on? It's good to be back in the States on a United States holiday, right? So just fly over to Europe and make the most of the holidays um, that the United States celebrates take all the time off you can fly back just in time to get another one of those holidays so mm. i haven't i haven't been doing a whole lot of work which has been nice what, what was the end of your scottish adventure like what was your final stretch like a ton of golf a, a ton a ton a ton a ton of golf um and we talked about it a little bit last week so we don't have to talk about it a lot now yeah but um i missed the lynx land i missed the firm turf I don't want to play on this soggy stuff. So, <laughs> have you played since you got back? No, I'm kind of avoiding it. I'm kind of like, <laughs> I feel like I need to press reset and just get. My yeah, mind do you think Scotland has Scotland ruined American golf for you? Uh, no, of course not. But it's definitely changed how I how I think about golf courses, the golf swing, contact zones. Uh, maintenance costs, membership costs, it's all changed in a good it's way. It's all changed. And Sean, that's a perfect way to segue into, I guess, what was the most talked about golf event of the week? I mean, God, how th- how quickly things change, right? A-, a week ago, all the chatter was, oh, Rory McIlroy has saved golf. The Tour Championship was a statement. The new tour plans were going to fend off live. I mean, you know, I don't think we went that far, but that was that was generally the topic of discussion. Now, a week later, it feels like ancient history. Dustin Johnson made an eagle to win uh, the live event outside of Boston. There were a few new debutantes who made some noise. And generally, I would say this felt like the most significant week for live yet, just because of the way they dominated the golf conversation what are we supposed to make of this you watched a bunch of it yesterday you wrote a nice article for golf.com what was this different and if so how so i think a day like this was always coming and hopefully people who religiously listen to this podcast will take most of you most of them they'll take note of the fact that in july we said hey the pga tour you need to own August because Liv is going to own September. And check the calendar, Dylan. We are in September. That's just that's just kind of like the the setting or the baseline that people need to remember. It's like the next month, Liv is going to own a lot of the headlines. Like the PGA Tour owns the P, the President's Cup, and that's coming, but we don't even quite know what it's going to look like. So there's question marks there. There's no question marks on live. I I basically wrote that if, if you combine everything that happened Sunday in Boston or outside of Boston, like that is exactly what live golf wants to be. They want to do things different. They want to be quote disruptive. They want their big name players to be making birdies towards the end and for it to be golf chaos. And yesterday was golf chaos. I really think 
it was chaotic. Um, trying to follow along, like if you watch golf on the PGA Tour on Sunday, and you nod off for twenty five minutes, chances are you're not going to miss a whole lot. Like there is the the Sunday PGA Tour nap, <laughs> and it's great. I actually really really enjoy it, but it's an easier thing to miss if you nod off for. 30 minutes in the middle of a live golf back nine, there's a ton of stuff that you're going to miss. Like players are going to be way off the lead and you thought they were, they were in contention. Lee Westwood sprinted towards the top of the leaderboard and then kind of puked on himself in the middle of the fairway on the last hole. It was just a lot of things happening at once. And that hasn't really happened to, to date. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think that that's a function of the format and of live golf and the shotgun sure. thing, or is it just like this week happened to be close and that happens on the back nine of PGA no, tour events sometimes that, too? That is the function of the format. The PGA tour chaos that happens. Like it's much more drawn out. It happens mm -hmm. over the course of hours. The last 30 to 45 minutes of the live golf event it was like this hole, that hole, this player playing a shot into a par four. You don't even really know if he's on a par four or par five. That That is chaos. And I basically kind of repeatedly wrote, like, if you're into that, that's up to you. That's okay. Like, I, I really tried to sit on the fence and say, <laughs> people hate this and some people love it. If you feel in either direction, that's completely up to you. But this is what they're doing and this is what they want to do. It hasn't happened in the London event, the Portland event, the New Jersey event, those were all multi-shot victories by players who entered the final round. I'm pretty sure entered the final round in a share of the lead or in the lead on their own. And so there was no comeback on Sunday. There was no nervy golf shots that we see down the back nine of pro golf events everywhere. You know, the guys who won, we kind of figured they were going to win an hour prior. This, we had no clue that Dustin Johnson was going to win. He was up near the lead, but Joaquin Neiman was in the lead. And then Lee Westwood was tied for the lead. And it felt like, oh, wait, Lee Westwood actually has the easiest holes to play. He should probably win. Cam Smith was tied for the lead. He just needed to make one par and get himself into playoff. Like It was what Live Golf wants to be. And it included interviewing a, a Trump-toting fan during the playoff. Like That's golf chaos. Yeah, in that sense, it's a huge week for them. They were able to do another event, and this one was actually close. Yeah. I think a lot of the objections to live, well, some of them some of them were never going to get swayed by the actual competition themselves, right? The big picture stuff, which is basically like not wanting to kill the PGA Tour, uh, not liking that this is a, a Saudi government owned league and or just generally kind of thinking the whole thing is you know a a, a lame thing <laughs> those are, are not going to change like a, a good tournament is not going to change the way people think about that stuff but what it can do is change the way people think about the format and think about the potential excitement so I guess the the viewers that were on the fence that were saying, look, I'm in if it's an exciting product, this feels like a victory for the people in that camp. I'm still struggling to make sense of of why it matters to fans um, of of when that is going to tip for us of like, okay, how long do you need before a league's 
victories mean something. Um, how long, like, do you need a, a couple seasons before it's like, Ooh, wow. That that's great. In the context of lives prior events, like I get that it's a good gig for the players who are absolutely cashing in and who kind of have this in group, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling around here, but I think that that's representative of sort of how I feel in the current moment of, you know, I'm trying to be open-minded about this entire golf landscape and what it's going to look like going forward. And this felt like a step forward for the format itself. Uh, it feels like the the ability of live to continue changing in real time also seems like a giant asset. So I don't know. I mean, it, it felt like it felt significant. All right. Here's the final thing that I think is significant. And I think this is the one thing that the PGA Tour should steal, should just co-opt straight from live is the ability to turn this thing into a celebration. Every event should feel big in a more exciting way. Like, yeah, some of it's over the top. Um, the PGA tour wouldn't have to go that far with the, you know, the full on champagne fire DJ style champagne, but maybe they should have some champagne. Like when you think about the trophy presentations at PGA tour events, they're stiff as hell. There's a lot of kind of blue blazer, uh, solemn applause vibe to them when they probably should borrow some from NASCAR and formula one. And, and I mean, look, I've been a proponent for podiums for a long time. Uh, it's the perfect opportunity to put those into play and yeah, to celebrate that these are big events. I think that with the new elevated events on the PGA tour, there will be more opportunities to like put some, put some self-awareness aside and just celebrate like, Hey, this is a, this is a big deal. This is a big thing. These guys worked hard to be here. They should be rewarded um, and not just get a firm handshake, but yeah, actually no, be treated like a big event. I think that's good. I think that's sound. I think, uh, the tour definitely does that with the players, uh, makes the, the players championship out to be the biggest thing it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. And it has its own self-interest there. Um, the other reasons that this week felt different, Phil Mickelson opened his mouth. He also tweeted. Mm, yes. Uh, I have spent way too many hours in the last six months checking Phil Mickelson's account on twitter.com to see if he has tweeted anything, to see if he has liked anything. And he'd gone a long time without doing that. The only things that were on his Twitter were statements about whether he was going to be leaving the PGA Tour or coming back to it. They were solemn and calculated, probably not written by him. And finally, we got Phil to say a couple things. He really likes that L word, leverage. He's going he's gonna to publicize that word repeatedly. Um, he also didn't say a whole lot about anything else because he's embroiled within a gigantic lawsuit against the PGA tour. Um, but he kind of jabbed at the PGA tour. Now, like he basically said that, Oh, it's kind of great that they're finding money magically. And that to me actually was the big takeaway of the week. Phil did a 45 minute interview with Bob Herrick of sports illustrated Mm -hmm. Did, didn't say a whole lot. I wrote about that saying he didn't say a whole lot. Yeah. And then he came out and tweeted a little bit, started liking some things. He's dipping his toe back into social media. And then he took the mic after I think the second round of the live event and jabbed the PGA tour. And so 
basically why I think that's a big deal is because Phil has been this very quiet figure. He has his entire life. He's been a loud dude and a, and a smart dude and not always as smart as he thinks he is kind of dude. And then this year changed things, but now it feels like we're getting just a little bit of him back, just a little bit yeah. of Phil being Phil back. And you know, it's just a baby step. Maybe he'll be even more vocal in Chicago. Maybe he'll be even more vocal, you know, across the world in Bangkok and then in Jeddah and then at the team event in Miami. That is all to say, like, that would be both good for Liv and interesting for the PGA Tour and great for our jobs because he's the linchpin, man. He was the name who the Saudis went after to be the leader, to recruit players as far long ago as... 2020 like we're talking we're talking multiple years ago this is when like this isn't just a 2022 enterprise phil mickelson has been at the center of this thing for a very long time and we know how forthright he he is with his beliefs on it but he's just been quiet and so if we get phil talking more i'll be a happier camper yeah what's interesting though is like all right you go back to the u.s open when phil gave this really strange, like unsettling press conference because it felt so not like him. He was restrained in a very particular way um, in, I mean, definitely in a way that showed he'd been practicing this sort of pausing and speaking <laughs> intentionally. And it was just so different from everything we've come to expect. And then his interview with Bob Herrig on Sports Illustrated really read in much the same fashion earlier this week. So that felt like, again, he was being extremely intentional in every word that he was saying. He He's understandably shying away from any little soundbite, getting, uh, getting taken, not out of context, but just getting taken from an interview and blowing up. So I think he's extremely resistant to that. And then, yeah, he did, he did take a little shot at the PGA Tour later in the week. I'm not sure how much that is going to be what we're seeing going forward like think about the phil that was just unleashing stuff on twitter all the time like and and in real life just talking about you know hitting bombs and whatever drinking red wine and getting in the act like phil was a fantastic tweeter for a yeah people loved that they did because it felt authentic and i think what? what he he'll feel that they feel that too like at some point Phil has to miss his typical appreciation. At this point, all he's been doing is giving out thumbs, thumbs up, left and right, yeah. a bunch of thumbs up. Like at some point, he was going to want more than that. It's human nature. Yeah, I mean, and and you can't change your stripes like that. There's a a funny thing going on though with these live guys where now that they have made their commitment, they are heavily incentivized to a convince people that they've made the right decision. And B, convince other players to come join them. And that has already been successful in turn in, in guys that are there getting guys to come join them. It will also continue to be successful, I would say, in that endeavor. But I mean, I, it's, it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit different because they are doing PR. They're doing recruitment. They're financially invested. The captains of these Uh, live teams in getting guys to come over because it will increase the value of their equity shares in the teams that they are part owners of. There's a lot kind of tangled up in it, but overall the guys that have gone 
I mean, even Neiman this week, Cam Smith this week, DJ, like these guys are really talking a big game for Liv. And it's a weird spokesman-y thing that has come out of this instead of, uh, are you, are you just I mad? guess, authenticity. Are you just mad that Waco lied to you? Here's the thing. I don't think Waco lied to me. <laughs> that could be me in denial, but I think that. Why don't you so what set, Sean's, the, set the stage? What Sean's referring to here, let's back up. There's an issue of Golf Magazine on newsstands now uh, in which I interviewed Joaquin Neiman for a Q&A. And in that, he essentially says he's not going. And and look, I talked to Neiman at the U.S. Open. He shut down the rumors that he was going. Talked to him again at the Open Championship, which is where this Q&A came from. Once again, he said, look, yeah, it's going to be sad that I'm not going to see Carlos Ortiz as much. I'm not going to see Sergio Garcia as much. Um, and I think in that moment, he meant it. I mean, I know that there was a lot going on in the background, but I think in that moment, he he would have... He wouldn't have answered in as forthright a way as he did, but he he told me, you know, look, if I was 40, this might make more sense. Um, I want to play against the best players in the world. They're still here, et cetera, et cetera. But things obviously changed in the next few weeks. And I think part of that has to do with, you know, his mentors being in his ear. Carlos Ortiz, who's one of his good friends. Sergio Garcia, who's someone that he looks up to. Um, he shares an agent with Sergio. Like there are... It's a tangled web and there are a lot of people with different incentives um, all in the mix. So I, you know, I, I thought that I was going to actually be able to get an interview with him the other day to kind of clear things up. I think it's actually tough for these live guys to um, speak out freely and do. Inter- I mean, we've seen from some of these contracts that you do sort of have to get live permission, I think, to do uh, certain outside interviews. So have not been able to follow up yet, uh, Hmm. to see exactly what happened to, uh, go into that decision. But yeah, over the weekend, he basically said lives the best, best thing ever. (sighs) I, it's the summer of lies, Dylan. That's what it's been (laughs) in, in my mind. And now anyone who listens to that could think that I'm, I'm just jaded People could think, don't be jaded. Well, no, don't I'm not. Jaded. I'm not. But like people have very much treated golf media as, oh, you're in, you're in bed with the PGA Tour. You know, it's in we're your not. Best, it's in your best interest to have the tour be successful. I'm just like, dog, it's in our best interest to have multiple leagues and all this chaos. Like, yeah, it's good for golf.com's bottom line to have mm-hmm. quotes matter and and multiple tournaments to pay attention to everything that is close to live people are interested in that's good for our bottom line so when i say the summer of lies i just mean all those players refusing to address the money all those players refusing to to level up and discuss saudi arabia as the backer all those players who said no i'm not going and then a week later here I am, I'm going, it all starts with, you know, it goes all the way back to Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau, Bryson who had already signed with Liv and then had to back out and then issue a statement. And then seven days after the Memorial tournament, Bryson who said, it's not in my best interest to, to join this league. Sure. Shit. He goes off and does it. It's the summer of lies. And it's been particularly exhausting to have to wade through them because 
um, part of our job is to just tell people what other people say. You know, we're the conduit through which they hear from Phil Mickelson and Cam Smith and other people. And so part of our job is just playing one stop in the game of telephone. <laughs> and uh, it it sucks when you know that what's being spread on that game of telephone are lies. Yeah. I mean, I get and I guess, you know, obviously, then it's our job to also filter that and tell you what what we know to be true, what we think to be true, what we think to not be true. Ooh. We have a new person entering the chat. Claire Rogers has entered the chat. Claire, how's it going? Hey, guys. Dylan, before we bring on the lovely Claire Rogers, what should we tell the good people about this week? Ah, That's a great question, Sean. It's Labor Day, which means it's time to start thinking about switching over your wardrobes from summer to fall. And what, what, what better way to do that than with a nice sweater, sweatshirt? you know, maybe a long sleeve from the people at Radmore Golf. Sean, you're going to find some serious comfort and style with these things. One thing you won't find, not a single microfiber. (laughs) You won't do it. It's the most sustainable, fashionable golf slash lifestyle apparel brand around. And we've got a great deal for you, 25% off specifically. So if you go to radmoregolf.com, that's R-A-D-M-O-R, golf.com, Use code DROPZONE at checkout. That's going to get you 25% off. And it's going to let the folks at Radmore know that, you know, the Drop Zone fans are stepping up. So we appreciate you. But wait, there's more. What? <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you are going to like Inside Golf. It's the membership program we have at golf.com. I believe it's $20 a year, Dylan. Is that right? Yeah, 20 bucks a year. I know that you're hesitating because that seems like too good a deal to be true, but... It is. It is too good of a deal. Uh, In one week, Dylan and I will be hosting a private Zoom call exclusively for Inside Golf members. It is all about our August trip to the British Isles, to Royal Portrush, Royal Liverpool, and Royal Troon. That is three Royal uh, courses, three open hosts, three countries. We did it in three days. So seriously, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were there. <laughs> it sounds insane. <laughs> Subscribe to Inside Golf today at golf.com/slash/inside-drop-zone. You know how to spell inside. You know how to spell drop. You know how to spell zone. That's inside drop zone. All right. Next on the line, coming from a a Boston apartment, just under an hour away from the site of Live Golf in Boston. It's Claire Rogers, the face of golf.com. Claire, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Just reviewing the footage here and wondering how Niblix GC could have finished last place by 14 shots this weekend. They, they when they have suck. a specified captain, what's wrong with Bubba Watson? Hot seat. Ah, <laughs> um, the knee, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so he, well, just... he wasn't playing, but his four players did not do great. Um, Claire... Yeah. I'm really curious. You had not been to a live event before this. Uh, you kind of went out there on a solo mission. What did you find? So I went on, this was Friday through Sunday this week. Usually yeah. they're. Well, what, they've been Thursday a mix of Saturday. Thursday through Saturday, Friday through Sunday. It's been back and forth. Yeah. Okay. So I went on Wednesday and Thursday. One was a practice round. There was some press conferences and then Thursday was the pro-am and the first day that I was there, I went to the pressers. Harold Barner was great. Saw Bubba Watson. It was kind of like a chaotic presser because they were together, but it was interesting because 
that was Harold's first time like showing face at a live event since yeah. he had signed on. Um, and I appreciated his honesty. He said, yeah, what did he event. say? Um, he said that the last 24 hours, you know, since it went, it was official that he was joining and he announced it. He said it was really hard and he felt like he'd been, he says he looks at social, which a lot of players say they don't look at social and mm. don't read the comments. And he says he does read them and that it was really hard for him to get a lot of negative feedback on that. So Thursday, or sorry, I'm getting my days confused. Wednesday, that was kind of all I saw there. I also walked around and like, there wasn't a soul like on the course. <laughs> I, I, I also got there in the morning when the press conferences were. And they were setting up, you know, the stage for the week and all the concession situation stuff. But I was like confused. I was like, where is everyone? Because at other events that I've been to at all levels, I feel like you see some action, something going on. And then I guess they had afternoon tea times, but I really didn't see much. Thursday, the pro-am was kind of cool. I went to BC. There was a BC kid playing in it with Phil Mickelson. I guess they kind of do like a draw the hat type of situation the night before where it's not just like, Oh, if you're the biggest donor, you get to play with the top players, you get to kind of pick. And I guess Phil was the fourth or third guy picked. So I walked with that group for a little bit, but still was kind of like, there were no fans there, right? As of now, there are no fans for the practice rounds mm -hmm. and programs. So again, it had this like eerie feeling like, it almost as if, if like a cloud had come over, I would have been like, this feels dark, but it was okay. Friday, Saturday, spent some time with friends. So didn't really think about it. And then yesterday I was like, all right, I'll go back, not knowing what to expect. And I was surprised, even though I didn't really have expectations It gave the vibe of like a college tailgate, kind of a lot of hanging out. Um, I got there at 10 when the gates opened for fans. The tea time wasn't until 1.15 or something, yeah. and it was already packed. Hmm. When we're talking packed, like, what do you mean? I learned from, like, a volunteer that they were capping it at, like, 5,500 to 6,000, but they were all okay. kind of in the same place. This course is not very walkable for little kids or older people, I would say. Like, it's not really, like, a back and forth situation. You're just going way out and then coming mm -hmm. back in. Um so, so a people lot are hanging around. out around the clubhouse area. Yeah. The first tee practice area. And it's interesting because it's a shotgun start. So every player is on the range, mm. on the chipping green, by putting at the same time. So it's like everyone is watching right there. And then they have like almost like this village situation where people were hanging out. That was really crowded. I also noticed that like the gender breakdown was 50-50. Whoa. I would say, which I was kind of surprised by because I go to a lot of golf events at every level and I feel like there's usually more men there than women. Um, but this, it was 50, 50, I would say. Were you, were you out there counting? Yeah. I actually took note of exactly how many people I saw. Yeah. So that was, that was crazy. <laughs> that is alarming. Not in a bad way, but it is like, I would say the typical numbers, 90, 10, right? Yeah. And I would say like, you know, you'll see at a lot of tournaments, like groups of 12 guy friends who went together, they all have their Shinnecock 2018 <laughs> US Open shirts on and matching fairies and golf shirts. But this was like, like a lot of guys with their girlfriends. I saw a couple of groups of women walking some, you know, 
were in their sixties saying they were there to see Phil, but there were some who were probably in college. I saw a lot of like local, like Boston school golf shirts being worn, not the teams, but just like collared shirts from the bookstore. Um, yeah, I think like a lot of people and even like little kids were just there hanging out. So what did you like about live Boston? Um, besides its proximity to your apartment, (laughs) I liked kind of a laid back feel of it at first. I feel like I'm always like very worried that I'm breaking a rule. As you guys know, I'm very like, am I allowed to be standing here? Am I in the way? Am I talking too loud? But this was kind of like everything goes. Whereas like fans, they're riling up the fans on the first seat, like and, you know, the, there's a lot of employees there getting video for social or whatever they're getting it for, where they're encouraging the fans to be loud and get a little crazy. And even like waiting for the first tee, like the shotgun start on the first tee, they have like a huge countdown the way on like New Year's Eve, you count down from 10, where I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like a, like a basketball game. I've been to like, you know, a lot of big basketball games before it kind of was giving that energy. Whereas I usually it's, I'm like, all right, everyone needs to be quiet. There was really none of that. They turned down the music a little bit, but there was still music playing when these guys were coming through. I think that's an interesting point. uh, The fact that it feels like a different sporting events, or like you said, a college tailgate, I think that's something live really wants to dive into because they know that the PGA tour won't. And, uh, yeah, I would say that's got to be an asset for them. If if that's why I wrote what I wrote, Dylan was like, if that's your thing, if that's what you're looking for, if you're the 16 handicap with his uh, with his Shinnecock 18 shirt on, and like that's what you want to have your experience be on a Saturday, you're not going to get that at the Byron Nelson. Like you're just not. So you can get it at Live if that's your thing. Yeah, it's and I also not think everyone's we're thing. like creatures of half. Oh, sorry, I just interrupted. It's fine. It's not everyone's thing, but it, it could be someone's thing. And so if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah. I think the people who would probably be most confused by it are people maybe like me who have been going to tour events since they were little and that's what they've been following. And you're kind of like, wait, no, this isn't how it's it goes. Like, And then, so I think if you're going to go, you need to let go of expectations of what you know from a golf tournament. And I know someone who was there who had never been to a golf tournament before. So this was their first experience. And for them, like that's their first impression of professional golf. So it's going to, it's just a totally different experience for her than it was for me who was like, but I think like you said, like people who really aren't dialed into the day in and day out of the PGA tour or professional golf, like we are always following what's going on. They're, they're going to like it. Like the, mid-level golfers who want to kind of like scream at players and act like they're friends with them and say like love you buddy like stuff like that it flies there yeah i i forgot to include this in the just little recap that i wrote for golf.com but during the playoff very clearly over the broadcast when when neiman hit his tee shot someone screamed dj end this Like it was like the loudest thing that you could have heard. And I think if you yell that first off, it's probably not happening at a PGA tour event, but if you do, someone's going to be upset with you. And where is the line? Does the line exist at live events? Like who will cross it? So the line was crossed twice. 
<laughs> I'll let you guess which player had somebody escorted off the property. Um, no, really? Yes. Um, someone screams like, make sure you mark your ball. And it was quiet and it was yelled again. Mm. And it was, he was escorted off the property immediately. And then someone at like, the direction low- of said player or just, uh, oh, right at him on the first tee. So who did he just like alerted security, like go get that guy. Well, there's security standing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next one was someone backed off their tee shot and yelled at one of the player in the groups. Like, we're going to be here all day. If he keeps doing that. Um, when I was, when I was like, you're at a golf tournament, kind of in the middle of nowhere, Boston, you're going to be here anyways. But the player backed off and I, I was standing right next. You don't have to give them like confidentiality. This is Sam Poulter. And he turns out and like, you know, like you can like, there's a way to say the F word where it's like calm, but there's an also where you really get the F like loud and Mm. right Mm. at the player. And I was like, can you give us an example? Say it. No, Can not in this. Um, that's behind the paywall. Paywall <laughs> in, inside golf. Wow, interesting. So there oh, is a line good. that exists. Yeah. I think the line only matters with players, though. Like, yeah. I think if if it if you, you could say the same thing to Phil Mickelson and you could say the same thing to Patrick Reed, and it's completely up to Phil or Patrick and no one else to really decide. Hundred percent to stay and go. Another thing that's interesting, and then I'll let you ask your question, Dylan. Is like the MC was like directing the players, which you would like when you're at a tour event, you're like, okay, like the players just know what to do. He was like, all right, players, in five minutes, you're going to be heading out to your cart. Five minute warning. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, who are the most popular golfers out there? Um, so I spent a lot of time just on the first tee and watch groups come through. Um, Matt Wolf was in the first group going off. Um, and a lot of people were standing there, but I think I would say DJ's group cause he was with Joaquin ton of people. And then like when Phil came through from 18 to one, there was like no one following, but I think it's because that's kind of a, a hike. So maybe they were going back out to meet like mm. at a different spot. It definitely thins out though. I would say like after people tee off one, like people go and find their guy that they want to follow and it thins out for sure. But like on the first few minutes there, it was like packed around the first team. Yeah. Dylan, are you surprised that Claire found herself following Dustin Johnson? No, longtime friend of the Rogers report, Dustin Johnson. I've never seen him so chatty in my life. Did you say what's up? <laughs> no. <laughs> he and Norman looked like they were doing a lot of chatting. I've never seen anything like it. Like they were, I was like desperately trying to eavesdrop on the conversation, but like, I would say for like three or four full minutes, which like in DJ time is like eight years <laughs> of conversation. Um, but he seemed happy. Like, and it was interesting. Like Norman was like pulling clubs out of his bag on the first tee and swinging them. And they showed him, he showed him his nine wood and he was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. Like you never see this. Um, so yeah. Anything that the PGA tour should steal right away from live. Um, Going to Boston. I don't know. That's a hard question because I'm very aware of the fact that I'm, I shouldn't be comparing apples and oranges right now. Like they are very different. Maybe Jay Monahan can fall from the sky like they had the uh, Greg Norman do. No, I don't know. I think 
people like a relaxed environment is what kind of my takeaway from it. Yeah. So, but it sounds like relaxed, not just like, I mean, the PGA tour events are like chill and quiet and whatever, but it sounds like relaxed in a more of a way that you're at a festival or something. Yes. Like college game day vibes, but again, that's not everyone's cup of tea. So it'll be interesting to see how the tour evolves. (laughs) Let the players wear shorts and bring an annual tour event to Boston. That's what they should steal. I can get behind both of those. Does Radmore make shorts? Oh, Claire, I'm glad you asked. And not only do they make shorts, they're incredibly comfortable. You can get them at radmoregolf.com for 25% mm. off with your code DROPZONE. Love that. Okay. Dylan has never sent me any Radmore shorts. So I don't send gig- these to you. Issue. You have a direct line to Radmore. I just got a shirt from Radmore from Dylan. What else do we want to talk about? Claire, we asked you what you liked most. What did you dislike most? These players are getting paid a lot of money. I think they should be acknowledging the fans a little bit more. Like, and I'm not talking about the rowdy fans. I'm talking about like a little kid who wants a fist bump or an autograph. And they have a good amount of time before they tee off. I was kind of shocked by how little kids were kind of like ignored. And I don't know. I don't know how often that happens at tour events. I'm not like standing being like, are they signing autographs? Are they, but, and I guess whatever it it was before the final round, but I don't know. Like I saw Kevin knock a couple other guys just like blow by it, like not even acknowledge. And I was like, if you're not like leading this event, like if you're, and again, it's a team event. So whatever, everyone's (laughs) done. Don't walk back your take here. I think, what don't walk back your take yeah, here. you're you doing like a lot of head okay, yeah no i think and again i think dj was like super chatty after his round that was cool to see but again like it's not going to kill you to give a smile to it like phil was doing the thumbs up to everybody who said his name like if you want to if you want people to like you and you want to like have some longevity in this game you're gonna have to like give some love to the fans at some point it's not that hard to just like nod your head or something it's true. You would kind of expect that given the format and really everything about this and that they would yes. be trying to, yeah, engender a little bit of goodwill with the golf populace. Was surprised to see, well, Sean, did you see this? Matt Wolf's putter ended up in the woods <laughs> in a couple pieces. Is that right? Matt Wolf's uh, had a trying, trying day on Sunday. Putter was not working for him. At one point he left a probably a 50 foot putt, maybe 12 feet short. And he screamed uh, the F word very loudly. And then like the next thing we heard was like 20 minutes later on the broadcast. Well, it turns out Matt Wolf's putter is now in the woods. He has mangled it and is now putting with a wedge. And uh, yeah, so Matt Wolf still struggling. Yeah, the, so to this point, the only thing that you disliked about Live Boston was that DJ didn't sign. No, Kevin, no. no, not DJ. I didn't really see DJ before. I was looking at Cameron Smith mostly, but like I, the walkway from the putting green over to the driving range was just like these guys with their heads down. Any other takes to get off your chest? That's right. Empty um, your notebook on us. <laughs> so like they had this concert, Diplo, and they're kind of like, if you guys tweet about it, there's the MC is like tweet about it, your best live photos from the day, and you can meet Diplo. Really? 
they were giving away a meet and greet for like the best. Oh, so you had to win. It wasn't like a guarantee, like one hashtag equals one meeting. No, no. Did you, did you tweet about it? Lots of mingling on the range, which was kind of cool to see. There was a moment where like Cam Smith walked over and pulled down Lee Westwood's socks. Cause he was wearing like the mid rise socks. Caddies are not just staying with their guy on the range. They're kind of like walking, chatting with each other, taking it all in. Wolf was, it was interesting. Cause he went off first, like as there, there's like, I mean, you know, if you're waiting for everybody to get driven out and you're just on the first tee, you've got like eight minutes of waiting time. And it was interesting to see like these guys mingling. Like, it's not like they're like dialed in on the first tee where they've been waiting all day to just make it here. And they're staggered. Like he was like, I don't know if it was a live employee or just someone he knew, but like until like two seconds before he had, they announced like you're good to go. Like he was kind of standing off by the rough chatting. So I would say like, even for the players, it's a much more relaxed environment. So yeah, that seems like a definitely a theme for him in particular. Also, I remember before that final round of the U.S. Open in 2020, he was like on the phone until he basically stepped on the first tee. Um, exactly. Interesting. So your final takeaways seem generally pretty like this was a positive experience. Is that how you would yeah, define it? Yeah, I think, I guess so. I would say the first two days I was not impressed. Um. I was confused <laughs> yeah. and the last day I was kind of like, Oh, I, I see why people fans find this to be a pleasant experience. Yeah. I guess that'd be my final question for you is well, yeah. What was your impression of the fan experience, the fan reaction? People really liked it. Again, they were there three hours before like you could, uh, people were teeing off. They were no one, the players didn't even like come out until like, 12 o'clock probably. So there was an hour or 30 minutes of them just hanging out. I walked by like, again, that village thing. And like people were playing chipping games, putting games, getting food, music was playing. So I don't know. It was, people seemed to really be into it. I met one volunteer who's gone to like all the U S events volunteering. Wow. Yeah. And I asked if that's a normal thing. She said, not really, but like, I don't know. People love the Harlem Globetrotters. People love going to those events. The, the The Globetrotters come through town. They fill up the local gym. People love it. But that doesn't mean that they like it more than the actual NBA or right. college basketball. And right. that's one thing that I keep kind of thinking about is that people are going to love live golf every time it comes to town. That's just – I think that's that's an asset that they have – focused in on is like we're going to go to boston where the tour has left we're going to go to chicago the tour has not consistently been we're going to portland where the men's tour has not been we're going to go to miami uh, to a a course that used to host the pga tour and no longer goes there and uh they're going to try to be the hottest ticket in town now hottest could just mean like most exciting um not necessarily like priciest or hardest to get but they're going to try to to be in some ways like the globe trotting tour. And I just don't think that that is that big a deal. Right. Well, I was thinking <laughs> like the same. Like, are, if you have Phil Mickelson coming through town, people are going to want to watch him. They don't care if it's on tour, if he's picking up a sandwich or if it's on live. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's a celebrity and spotting so, element to it all for sure. Um, yeah. 
Let's talk about this schedule a little bit because uh, a couple of different people were reporting this. Evan Priest was one person that uh, that released it, but their potential 14 event schedule next year. I'll just run through it really quickly. Two events in February, one in Florida, one in California. March, an event in Tucson. April, an event in Australia and one in Singapore. May, a, a DC area event. June, Philadelphia. July, London. July, Spain. August, two events. One in New Jersey at Trump Bedminster. Uh, one in West Virginia at the Greenbrier. Then September, <laughs> Chicago. September, Toronto. Chicago. September, Florida at Trump Doral to finish. So, I mean, you've got some courses there that have overlapped with this year. Trump Bedminster and Trump Doral, notably. Uh, you've got Greenbrier, which used to host a PGA Tour event for all those years. And then you've got Centurion, which had the Live London event this year. And you have Valderrama, which currently hosts a DP World Tour event. So kind of a lot to process. But one big thing from there is that nine of 14 events will still be in the U.S., uh, 10 of 14 in North America, if you count the Toronto event. I thought event. this was the the world tour. It's a little bit confusing. It's it's still a lot of Florida, Arizona, California, and some of the thing, some of the cries about oh they're going to boston they're going to the pacific northwest you know professional golf doesn't really serve those populations doesn't really ring true they're covering a lot of familiar territory instead why not canada well they have one in toronto so hmm. i wasn't paying attention oh uh, well i guess it's toronto or mexico is actually how it's listed for september <laughs> you know there's mutterings about whether they've been in talks with mayakoba which was a a Norman designed course and you know, there's some, some ties there, but it's seems like this schedule is still very much in flux. So it's hard to make too much of it, but it's not a, it's not a purely global tour. I'll say that. Mm -mm. Claire, tell the people where they can read more of your thoughts. While I'm hitting publish, that's a lie. I am finishing the Rogers report in a little bit. I, had it done and then Patrick Cantley got engaged. So I had to do a little editing of that. All right. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Let's touch on that. This is kind of behind the scenes of the Rogers report. What do we need to know about this engagement? It was in Napa. They were with their tour besties, the Shoffleys. Who's he getting married to? Oh, Nikki Guido. Xander. <laughs> uh, no, what, if, what if Patrick Nick just proposed to Xander? <laughs> Nikki Guidish is a pharmacist in Florida. She used to have an Instagram fitness account, but doesn't anymore. Well, I was looking it up today and it was, I like looked up her name and it has one post and it was from four years ago. So I think she dipped her toes in that area, but day in and day out, she's a pharmacist. They've been dating for a while. I think they met in like the Jupiter scene friends with Jenna Sims. So yeah, as one does. And then it seemed like, yeah, kind of a, maybe a triple date situation, but Xander and his wife, Maya definitely involved. So shout out what to role do you couple. think Xander played in the in the proposal? Like, is he taking? I bet they like went far? off on their own or something, and then they all met for champagne after. The way like when I get engaged, you guys will be there too. Like, just and then you'll meet up in a little bit. I think you're not giving Xander any credit. I think Xander is for sure involved in the distraction. Like Patrick's like, ah, oh, you know, Xander and I are gonna go practice, oh. you know, and then suddenly Patrick's just like there on one knee. Like you guys are not giving creative, but they were all, money. all done up. So I think they probably have like a plan to like go to dinner or something. And I bet Maya Xander's wife 
was really like helping plan. Well, you think he's more of a planner than she is? This is an extremely pro Xander podcast. I forgot about that. We've reached out to both involved members to see if they're willing to come on the drop zone. No word back yet. So stay tuned. <laughs> they they want to like make you guys wait a little bit. Yeah, I get that. Um, all right. Anything else from, from this week's report? Uh, I feel like we're running out of steam in true Labor Day fashion here. Um, I don't think so. If you really are interested, you can read it when it's published, folks. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right, gang. I think that's enough for this week. Short week, which means the next drop zone is going to be just around the corner. Um, Claire, thanks for being here. Sean, it's good to have you back stateside. And all you listeners, it's the best to have you guys here. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.